Shalom, and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. This week in our Torah portion, we read one of our tradition's most famous stories, the story of Noah and the flood. You all, of course, know what happens, right? Noah, our hero, he saves the world by building an ark and by taking a male and female from every species to ride out the flood and to repopulate the planet once the waters recede. We, as Jews, we love Noah, right? Next year at this time, God willing, Rachel, my lovely wife, and I will hopefully welcome our new baby girl to our very own Noah's Ark at the Temple Israel Early Learning Center. One of the earliest songs that we learned, at least I learned as a Jew, was Noah, he built him, he built him an arky, arky, Noah. Sing it with me. He built him, he built him an arky, arky, made it out of hickory, barky, barky children. Probably should have asked Happy to sing this part, but that's okay. Right? So Noah, as Jews, he is a hero. Or is he? Let's go through the story one more time again this year. Humanity had become evil and corrupt. We did not take care of the planet and violence. Hamas filled the land. So God decided to put an end to all flesh and to start fresh with just Noah and his family. God tells Noah to build this ark big enough to fit two animals of every species. And once Noah finishes the ark, God will send the flood and poof, there goes the world. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever built a boat. Maybe. Uh, I know uh, my, wife, my in-laws live in Rhode Island, the boat-building capital of America, so maybe some of you have. I surely haven't, but I can only imagine how long it must have taken Noah to build this ark, this giant boat, all by himself. Picture this for a moment. Noah walking to the forest every day, day after day, chopping down a tree, carrying back the wood for the ark, carrying it past all the people, all his neighbors and friends who must have thought he was totally nuts. He was toiling day in, day out on this giant boat. It must have taken him years. And all of this time while Noah was just going about his business, The Torah does not record a single word that he spoke. He didn't warn any of his friends or neighbors that they were in danger, 
didn't try to convince them to change their ways and repent for their sins. He didn't even argue with God to spare them. He just put his head down, went about his business, only looking out for himself and his family. So in this reading, does Noah still sound like a hero? Well, why was Noah chosen by God in the first place? The Torah says that Noah was sadiq tamim bedorotav, that he was righteous and blameless among his generations. Now, most, comment, most commentators take this to mean that Noah was truly and completely righteous, one of the best people to ever live. That's our normal reading of this text. But both Rashi and Ramban note that this wording, bedorotav, in his generations, could mean that Noah was actually not such a great guy. He was only righteous, only a tzaddik, when compared to the wicked folks of his generation. In a generation full of righteous people, Rashi says, like that of Abraham, Noah may not have seemed righteous at all. How good could he have truly been if he was too afraid to speak up in the face of injustice, if he saw his fellow people, his neighbors, under threat, and he didn't speak up at all to help them? In our day, in 2022, we as Jews are under threat. And who is speaking out to help us? According to the Anti-Defamation League, as I mentioned earlier, anti-Semitic incidents were at an all-time high in 2021. Over 2,717 incidents of assault, harassment, and vandalism. And those were only the ones reported to the ADL. Now, to give you a sense of context, this was up 34% over 2020. And more alarmingly, assaults, of course, the most serious type of incident they track, assaults were up 167%. American Jews are under threat in ways that seemed unimaginable just a few years ago. And of course, those of us who follow the news or are even connected at all to the internet, of course, have heard about the wealthiest rapper in the world, at least before today. Kanye West, or Ye. Um, Kanye has threatened to go death con three on Jewish people. That is one of a very many anti-Semitic screeds that he took to on the internet, including saying that today's Jews are not the legitimate Jews of the Bible, and that African Americans are the true descendants of the ancient Israelites. In addition to the obvious absurdity of this claim, Kanye's idea completely ignores the many people in our community here at Temple and in Jewish communities around the country and around the world who are both Jewish and black. But thankfully, and we could talk about this for, for days, but thankfully in response to a campaign by the ADL, Adidas, one of Kanye's many business partners, dissolved their business partnership last week, I'm sure you heard, costing the company over a quarter of a billion of revenue just for the rest of the year. 
they decided taking a stand was worth it. They did not stay silent. But even though many of Kanye's business partners have now finally broken ties with him, I'm afraid that we should hardly feel better about our situation, especially since Kanye has literally millions, millions more followers on social media than there are Jews in the world. But even more alarming than this, than Kanye and his followers, anti-Semitism, of course, is becoming more and more mainstream on both the right and the left, more accepted in our mainstream discourse. And the problem is that too few Americans are speaking up and speaking out. Like Noah, they are keeping their head down because we as Jews are just a couple percent of the population and this does not affect them or their families. So what do we do? How can we fight this rising tide of anti-Semitism? When I became a rabbi, when I decided to become a rabbi about seven years ago, of course I spoke about on Yom Kippur, I wanted to be a rabbi for all of the great things about Judaism for the, the simchas, the bat mitzvahs, the weddings, to, to go out in this world and make it a better place. The very last thing that I wanted to do was to try and stop anti-Semitism. I didn't think it was a problem. And yet in 2022, here we are. And there are no easy answers or solutions because as we all know, anti-Semitism is a hatred as old as Judaism itself. And the most extreme on either side, I'm afraid, are not going to be swayed by reason or by protest. No matter how much we point out the absurdity of different anti-Semitic tropes, they are not going to convince the true believers. So what can we do? In her book, How to Fight Anti-Semitism, journalist Barry Weiss offers a number of ways and if you're, if you're interested in the subject, about a year and a half ago, Rabbi Greenstein and I led a Zoom class on how to fight anti-Semitism. You can find it on our YouTube. Um, I highly recommend it. But I just want to share one of Barry's ideas tonight. She says that um, the best way to fight anti-Semitism is not to just call it out when our political opponents spout it, but that we have to call it out when it comes from our own side. If we are Republicans, we can't give fellow conservatives a pass when they dally in anti-Semitic tropes or openly accept the support of anti-Semites. It's election season. We know this is happening all the time. And if we're liberals or progressives, we have to stand up. We have to stand up to those on our side when they call for the oppression of excuse me, when they call for the end of oppression for all minorities except for Jews, when they call for justice and acceptance of all people except for our people, when they countenance anti-Semitism disguised as simply anti-Zionism. The problem is that when we only criticize the other side, it's too easily dismissed. But when we call out our own side, we slow the acceptance of anti-Semitism into the mainstream of our polity. 
There's no simple solution. But that is one step we can take, each of us can take, not to be silent when our friends, when our allies speak out against us. So I'd like to bring it back to Noah for a moment. Noah, of course, if he and his children were the only people to repopulate the earth, we, each one of us sitting here, according to Jewish tradition, are all descendants of Noah. We're all B'nai Noah. And yet, I think there's a very profound reason why we as Jews do not consider Noah the father of the Jewish people. And that is because Noah did not speak out against those who were under threat. Who is the father of the Jewish people? Abraham, Avram Avinu. And we'll read together in two weeks from this Torah that when God tells Abraham that God is going to destroy every single inhabitant of Sodom and Gomorrah, because of their many sins, they were doing very bad and evil things. What does Abraham do? He is not silent. He does not put his head down even though he and his family will not be affected. Abraham stands up to God, to God, God's self. And he begs, he pleads God to have mercy, to save even 10 righteous people. So my hope, my prayer for us and for our country is that we all strive to be more like Abraham and a little less like Noah. May we strive for true righteousness, not just righteousness compared to the wicked among us. And may our country, this refuge for so many people, for so many of our own ancestors, may it continue to make space for us on its ark. And may that, may that be God's will. Kaini Hiratzon. Shabbat Shalom.